One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. And we're back for a bonus show as we look ahead to Thursday's second Ashes test at the Adelaide Oval. We'll hear from both Joe Root and James Anderson as England look to bounce back from defeat at the Gabba, whilst cricket writer Barrett Sundarason gives us the lowdown on how Australia have been shaping up for this test. Former England spinner Monty Panasar assesses the spin options on both sides. And we debate whether Broad or Anderson will return to the side, or both. So plenty to get stuck into. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. There was a sense of gloom about Harmy's predictions uh, for England's make-up, the starting eleven for the uh, second test, and I'm afraid that gloom has come to fruition with the omission of Mark Wood. What can I say, Harmy? <laughs> Uh, one, I'm not surprised. Two, as David Warner's ribs recovered enough. Well, I think he might be. They might be sore this morning seeing that team selection and and laughing at it because when you've got a 94 mile an hour bowler who bowled at in excess of 140 average for 25 overs, and you don't play him in the second Test match because you say he's rested for an Ashes Test match, an Ashes Test match, not against. Some dog and duck side that you play, you have bilaterally. You're playing an Ashes Test match. How many times have we gone into this to, to these winters and said, right, we can't play the same bowlers, we can't play English type seamers on good wickets on with a cookable ball? We are now going to play four 80 mile an hour bowlers who are going to be about 78 mile an hour in their third and fourth spell, and we are playing on a good. We're going to be playing on a good wicket. I agree. The day and night test match throws its own little conundrums, but it's only it only zips about when the when the dusk comes, and that's three and a half hours into the day. If England if England lose the toss, Australia get a few runs on the board and dictate. England will not get. We 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 were in this position in India. We picked the team. We picked the team for the seaman ball and swinging everywhere. We didn't even we didn't even get the lights on on day two. When we got beat. So that is something I, I'm struggling to work out. How we haven't picked a bowler who put the frighteners up David Warner, one of the most electric opening batsmen in world cricket, even though he's had a bit of a struggle. He got a batsman out in Steve Smith, who has averaged over 130 in the last few Ashes series. He got them for less than 10. And we've got an 8, 9, 10, 11, who their tail scored more, more than 100 runs more than what we did. And he knocked two, he knocked two or three of them over at the end of at the end of the day, and we're leaving him out over the court over. So we, so we're worried about batting at number eight. Well, if batting is number eight, if you we need a batsman at number eight, one to seven is not doing their jobs properly. So change them over the top of what to compromise your bowling unit. I just think it's 
as much as you want Broad and Anderson back, I don't think they'll both come back. I think Jack Leach is going to play. I don't see the point of picking him in the squad if he's not going to play. So Broad might miss out again. He didn't do the media this week on his 150th Test match. I think it potentially could just be one change, and that would be Anderson for Wood. Well, let's hear what Joe Root had to say about uh, the two men who own over 1,100 wickets between them. We've obviously got some big decisions to make, but one of the great things is we're going into this test match and both of them should be fit and ready to go. And with that amount of experience within your squad, it's uh, it's obviously exciting. So um, plenty of good options to choose from. I thought our bowlers actually created many chances and looked very threatening throughout that that last test match so I feel like that department in particular is in a good place yeah I, I, I just can't work it out Hami I mean you know there was talk about recalling Don Best to the team because he bats a bit at number eight and as you say that just is so self-defeating resting Mark Wood um, there's no point resting him if you go 2-0 down is there I mean you know he's he's your match winner it's all uh, it all seems very confusing if Broad is left out my question is who has their finger on the trigger is it Joe Root? Has Joe Root lost confidence in Stuart Broad? Or is Chris Silverwood making the call on the final 11? That's the million-dollar question. I'd love to know that. Because trying to get rid of Broad got rid of Ed Smith. If you don't play Broad in this test match and you go 2-0 down, leading into the next to the, to the boxing day, you lose a toss. By not picking Broad again or having... You know, I, don't think, I don't think Broad would have made a great deal of difference and the outcome of the result in 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 Brisbane, you know, he could have, we could have, he gives you that bit steel. We didn't have that leadership of of bowling unit, but I thought the three seamers bowled very very well in 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 Brisbane. But when you go in, you you look at it in the in the cold light of day. Could Broad finish another selection panel by not picking him in this one? Stuart Broad in the last three years, I thought up until about three years ago, there was a couple of years passage where. He wasn't at it full tilt. And I think Stuart will agree that he, he probably went through affairs like everybody else does that plays over 100 test matches, questioning whether it's time to go, whether it's, yeah, I haven't got the hunger, the drive to get going. But in the big series in the recent past, Stuart stood up. The year that we lost Jimmy Anderson for more or less the whole year, Stuart carried that bowling unit. He seems to go under the radar a little bit of, you know, it's, it's Jimmy Anderson. And then it's Stuart Broad. Well, for me, it's both of them. They're both as good. They're both as potent. And they're both as needed at, at this minute in time. If it is Silverwood, I'd love to know what they've got against picking them two over a, a Chris Wokes or an Ollie Robinson. Ollie Robinson's bowled beautifully in his test career so far. But we're leaving somebody out who's played 150 test matches. You brought them on the plane, so you play them. If you didn't think that Joe, if Stuart Broad was up to playing, then you left him at home. You finished his career and you said, look, we've got a new heir apparent. We've got somebody we're going to invest time in. We've got somebody that we think can do the job. He's got the shirt because he did very, very well. And I think that was what was said to him, would have been said to him at Brisbane. But we come back to being away from home again. And away from home again, we're saying, we're not going to pick these English type seamers on the good wickets, the flat wickets with a cook of a ball. Well, like I said before, we've got we've only got four seamers in this squad, out and out seamers. Come their second, third, and fourth spell, they're going to be bowling eighty mile an hour with a with a flat pitch, with an old Cookerbra ball. Something that concerned me a little bit was what Chris, Chris Silverwood said after the game, which was, "Yes, we learn. Yeah, we always say that." And then he said, "It's a long series." That's what he's trying to say about Mark Wood. It's a long series. It's not. It's not. We lose it. We lose a toss and get and Adelaide gets flat and there's runs on the board. They dictate when the pink ball is used under its under the the, the sunlight under the, the the light. We could potentially go two nil down. We lose a toss on a one that does a bit in Melbourne by lunchtime on Boxing Day. The Ashes is over. That's not a long series, Chris. That's that's eight days. That's nine days of a, of a test series. Ask Alistair Cook. Ask Andrew Flintoff. Ask Nasser Hussain. You lose the, t- lose the Ashes in 10 days, 11 days cricket. That's not a long series. It's a long series if you stay in it. And if you stay in it, you've got a chance of winning it over, over in Australia. It hasn't happened many times. It seems to me, Harmy, that there are two major distractions here. The first is, listen to us talking about the bowlers. Which bowlers should England pick to make up for a complete lack of runs from the top order? I mean, that's, that's where the focus should be because the bowlers weren't too bad at the Gabba. And the second big distraction seems to me 
is that that England may be um, the supporters more than the players, because we'll hear from Joe Root in just a second again on the distraction of the day-night test, uh, playing under lights with the pink ball. Um, you know, it's as... It, it's almost as if people are saying that's an advantage to England. Well, Australia's record with bat and ball, uh, because they've got more experience of it than any other team, is far superior to any teams um, with, with the pink ball. This was what Joe Root actually did allude to pre-match press conference. One thing from our point of view is not getting over overthinking that part of it. it there'll be two sessions of the game where the sun could be out like this and it's it might not do as much, so... Not sort of falling into the trap of thinking it's going to just hoop round corners for uh, for five days, but understanding the different challenges that a, a pink ball test match at this ground takes, and, and having plenty of options to to still find ways of taking twenty wickets. Also, as a batting group, managing those dif- different phases and finding ways of making big totals too. Well, that, that's uh, Joe Root saying, you know, let's not get distracted by the pink ball because Australia are pretty good with it as well. In fact, they're better than anybody else, but. I don't know why we're all talking about the bowlers, Harmy. It's it's the lack of runs. You can't be bowled out for 150 um, and and expect to compete in the Ashes. Absolutely, 100%. I think the, the reason why the bowlers are much talked about is because we've said so many times over the course of the last 10 years, probably because we've got Broad and Anderson, that when we go overseas and we play on flat pitches, we need something different. We can't keep going in with English-type type seamers. And the conversation about the bowlers is relevant because we've got two of our all-time greats over 1,100 wickets coming back into a, back into possibly the, the, the test match and leaving a bowler out who we've said for years that we've missed and needed, which is that 90-mile-an-hour-plus gust of wind that flies in and, and, and makes something happen on a flat one. The reason why we talk about that is because you know, that's what Broden Anderson do to due to news stories on around cricket. But you're right. We've got, we had no, and we said it right at the very start, and we've been saying it for, for weeks and weeks. You know, we've got, we've got a batting unit. You take Joe Root out. If we, if we score 400, it means Root's got 180. That's what's happened in the last year. We've got six, seven batsmen in this squad who average under 35. We've got a unit who have constantly been 20 for two. In the last year, we've got a unit who can who have only scored 100 other than the captain, and that was Rory Burns. It was a good hundred against New Zealand. That doesn't give you a great deal of confidence on these good wickets, flat wickets that we can score runs. And you're right, it always is, it always has been, even during my time and times before. Goffey will tell you, and Gus Fraser will tell you before that. You get beaten in a test match and the bowlers are the ones that are the question mark on who gets left out. Said by a true fast bowler, been there so many times and been on the backside of it. It's just the natural progression of the talking points of the game. But I agree 100%. Our batsmen need to stand up because if we do, if our batsmen don't stand up, Broad and Anderson, Wokes, Robinson can bowl in twilight for the whole of the five days of the test match when it's at its best for the pink ball. If you've only got 200 on the board, you ain't winning. No chance. So it's all doom and gloom. I am sorry. I've got to keep being reality. But some of the decisions that are being made aren't helping themselves. Well, let's finish this section by hearing from Jimmy Anderson. There's going to be, again, a massive amount of expectation on him. You know, everybody expects him to take five for 40 twice. Ten for 80 would certainly help. Um, But uh, he's not putting himself under too much pressure. All I can do is try and prepare as well as I can, stay fit and the last few years we've, we've certainly myself, I've been managed a bit more so missing out the odd game to try and make sure that I am stay fresh, especially through a long series um, so that's something I've got used to I guess over the last few years but to be honest all I try and focus on is making sure my bowling is as good as it can be, my fitness is as good as it can be, um, and if the captain wants me to play, then I'll be there for him. That was uh, Jimmy Anderson um, on the eve of uh, of the second Test match at the Adelaide Oval. I'm delighted to say, as promised, we're joined live from Adelaide by cricket writer Barrett Sundarason. Um, Barrett, thanks so much for your time. As usual, you've been watching more net practice than anybody else, including all the coaches, um, you are a, 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 an extremely avid observer. Um, I think you watch as much net time as you do actual game time. So how's Australia looking? How, how are both teams shaping up, actually? 
always uh, good to chat with your manners and uh, Stephen. No, look, I think Australia seem to know what they're doing. Almost like, uh, you know, yesterday they went through their routines. I think they had a long net under lights, which always helps. Steve Smith and Manus, of course, dominated the lights. But even Marcus Harris, who is short of runs, as we know, spent a long time with Justin Langer, just working a little bit on his technique. And Justin Langer seemed very happy with uh, what he's done with the left-handed opener. So, looking good. Uh, for the England batters, I have to say, Stephen, uh, I, I don't think if... Coming in from a test match where they did struggle, they uh, had a pretty torrid time yesterday facing their own bowlers on a pretty spicy next pitch. Chris Wokes was unplayable. Stuart Broad, uh, you know, looked like he wanted to prove a point to a couple. And Ben Stokes uh, was bowling like Jofra Archer. He was hitting Joe Root on the head, on the arm, on the leg. So, it was it was quite a session. Uh, not what I would want if I was a batter. Yeah, you mentioned the, uh, the, the lights, the game, the bowlers that come with it. But there's one omission from England's England squad from Brisbane, which I think is a huge talking point. And you mentioned Steve Smith there and Marnus Labashian, David Warner, who got a bang in the ribs. Yeah, Hazelwood's a big miss for, for Australia, but how were the Australians looking not having arrested Mark Wood for the second test match in uh, under the lights and having four bowlers who are very, very similar um, in Wokes, Anderson, Broad and Robinson. Yeah, and especially considering the whole talk, Stephen, since Mark Wood made his debut, is if he's fit, he plays. But we want to get the most out of Mark Wood. Uh, and he looked fit and I thought he bowled extraordinarily well. He deserved a lot more than what he got at the Gabba. And then to leave him out for the second test, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty surprised. Because the Adelaide Oval pitch in the last couple of years, you know, it can give something for these guys who who get the ball to jump off a length. Like, Jasprit Bumrah has always enjoyed bowling at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, and, and similarly, had the likes of Hazelwood and Cummins. So, I'm a little surprised that Wood isn't playing. Like you said, Steve Smith, Manus, those guys have really worked a lot on that, like, you know, armpit length almost, armpit ball. Uh, and to now not have someone who can target that. Jimmy Anderson joked about how if it was 15 years earlier, he might have targeted David Warner's ribs, but he can't. He doesn't have that extra yard of pace. So, it, it is surprising. Well, I was surprised with some of English selections, even for the Gabba. So, that part doesn't surprise me. All right, let's talk a little bit about Travis Head and Jack Leach. Um, obviously, um, at the Gabba, Travis had a plan and, and he took Jack Leach down like a rooftop assassin. I mean, it was um, it was brutal to watch. <clears throat> 11 overs for 100. And then, a couple of days ago, was it yesterday, he uh, talked Jack how important he was to England, <laughs> how he should definitely play at Adelaide. Did he say that with a straight face? He did. And you know what, Manners? I think, you know how it is. Australia unites when it's the Ashes, right? Damien Hoff, the groundsman today, said, no, I would never play a test match here without a spinner. So, they're all playing, um, you know, the spinner up. Manus Labushain has been struggling against uh, a, a local net left-arm spinner. I don't know whether he's doing it intentionally to maybe show off some weakness. Uh, maybe it's my job to tell the English that he's been struggling against the left-arm spinners, <laughs> considering I watched a lot of both of them. But look, I... I I feel a little bad for Jack Leach. Uh, he's not the kind of spinner, and uh, Steve will uh, agree with me, who will be successful in Australia purely because he doesn't put too much overspin. There's no bounce. I saw him against the England Lions, and they really were milking, milking him around. And that would hurt England as much as, you know, what happened to him in the last uh, last game. Uh, and just on Jack Leach yesterday in the Nets, manners. He was taking it out on the next bowlers. Like, you know, every time a spinner bowled to him, was jumping or trying to smash them out of the Adelaide over. So, it was kind of funny to see. But I think we might have seen the last of Leach for this series or at least for this half of the series. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure. I think he might play in this test match. I think oh, it, God. Might, it might be broad that broad that misses out. My, my thing with Jack Leach is I think he's been mismanaged. Preparation, you can talk about how much England... Have been it's been poor and it's been unfortunate because of all the rain they had up in Brisbane. But if they thought Jack Leach was going to play in the first two test matches against Australia in the Ashes, then Jack Leach should have played the majority of, of England's summer last summer and found a way of making sure that he was a valuable member of that team. But yeah. a valuable member of the team from Australia's point of view is Josh Hazelwood. He's not playing. Tell us about Jai Richardson and what we expect from him. Well, I covered his um, the two test matches he played seven, two, two and a half years ago against Sri Lanka. 
and uh, he's he's really quick as we know and he's shorter in height so he's skidier as well the very sharp bouncer hit a lot of sri lankan batters on the head in canberra in fact at one point they were down to i think eight guys and only eight batters left because of jai richardson uh, and he also bowls slightly wide of the crease and i noticed yesterday joe root spent a lot of time focusing on that angle he had graham top come literally you know outside the pitch and come from that angle uh, so and he moves the ball around he's almost a complete package when i saw him for the first time i was like wow they found another gun fast bowler who's going to play 100 test matches and he's worked a lot on his strength as well so you know he just uh, uh, looks stronger faster and yesterday like i said he he wasn't easy to face for amarnas or amarcus harris or whoever got into the net against him uh, so even though they will miss josh hazelwood maybe not to an extent where they would have a couple of years earlier Talking of spinners, um, this is what Nathan Lyons said about his expectation for the England starting eleven. Nothing changes. Red ball, white ball, pink ball doesn't doesn't really change for me. I, I'm going to stick to my basics um, and my my belief in my in my stock ball, and that's worked for me for over 400 wickets now. So I don't think I'll be changing that that method. Um, but saying that, I'll get down to Adelaide. We'll prepare well. Um, Adelaide's unbelievable place to play cricket. It's probably up there with the best place to play cricket in the world in my eyes. So it's gonna it's gonna be a good challenge. Um and England will hit back and they'll obviously bring back some absolute superstars. So um it's gonna be a good challenge. That was Nathan Lyon and um, when he refers to superstars um, we assume that he's talking about uh uh, James Anderson and Stuart Broad, um, because uh, it, you know, they are the <laughs> they are the superstars, the eleven hundred wicket men. The occasion is uh, something that the South Australian Cricket Association are extremely proud of. I, I was reading that uh, they've um, they've proudly reinstituted their uh, dress codes for for the members area and no short skirts and uh, collars only and closed shoes. It is a, it is a, a wonderful wonderful occasion. It, it, I, I'm assuming that the Adelaide Oval's got its best dress on and its best suit on. It has. And uh, like, you know, when you were reading that out, all I was thinking about is I need to go and find a collared shirt manners. As you know, it's not my strength. Uh, and we have to walk through the members areas at times. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, there were 800 people who attended the, uh, you know, the Saka test match dinner yesterday. There were a lot of black suited guys looking very, very smart. Uh, and a lot of women looking very smart as well. So I I had to like hide away. I looked so underdressed just being at the Adelaide Oval. And even now when I was leaving uh, 15 minutes ago, there are some functions. It, it, it is a festival feel when the Adelaide Oval hosts a test match. Everybody's excited about it. Already the outside area has been set up beautifully. A lot of people end up uh, watching maybe a couple of balls of the test match and then just disappear to the back, as you well know, Manners and you, Stephen. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great. And once the sky turns pink at night and the pink ball, it, it is quite an atmosphere. There's a distraction. We were talking in the first half, Harmi and I, um, about this. Um, somehow England and England supporters maybe have developed this belief that the pink ball and day-night cricket works in their favour. But but actually, <laughs> um, Australia, Australia aren't bad. Actually, they're the best team in the world under lights, comfortably with bat and ball. The statistics say that. Yeah, and I don't think England have a very good record either, uh, you know, apart from Australia being really good at it. Uh, it really comes down to Jimmy Anderson. I mean, they just imagine Jimmy Anderson running in with a pink ball and they think, wow, England have won a test match. Uh, they did okay the last time around. So, you know, and Australia play pink ball cricket, like you said, better than anyone. I've seen them beat New Zealand, India. They, and also they time everything so well. It almost feels like the universe conspires to make sure that Mitchell Stark had the, has that shiny pink ball when the lights come on and he'll bowl that one magic delivery we saw that last year as well. But another thing we saw last year, Manners and Stephen, was how well Josh Hazel bowled the lengths he bowled. He was so much fuller at the Adelaide Oval than what we've seen other bowlers bowl with the pink ball. And we saw it resulted in the 36 all-out. So Jimmy Anderson said that he was up late at night uh, or maybe in the afternoon when it would have happened, watching that spell and he wants to like you know borrow a leaf from that spell. So it'll be exciting to watch if he does, uh, he can replicate it. I'm quite excited to see that. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know where this belief comes from for England. Maybe it's just Jimmy Anderson and at least we know that he's playing. Uh, having said that, I thought Joe Root, Seems to be like you know, initially in the nets before the GABA, he looked very anxious, almost uh, tensed. His shoulders were tensed, he was focusing too much on his technique. I felt, but now just looking at him yesterday, he seems in a more relaxed uh, uh, space. Uh, even when he does get beaten by the ball, he does turn around and smile at me a lot more. So maybe that's a good sign as well. All right, Sundar Eisen, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the occasion, enjoy the match. 
I know you will, but we much appreciate your time. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. And next up, we'll be joined by former England spinner Monty Panesar to discuss how Jack Leach might be feeling after that first test in Brisbane and whether he should play in the second. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Delighted to say, as promised, we're joined live now by former England uh, spinner Monty Panesar. Monty, thanks. Thank you for your time. And thank you for your wisdom and your perspective that you're about to give us. Talk to us about Jack Leach. I don't have any direct questions. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. Um, well, I, I felt for Jack Leach, to be honest. I think uh, England um, should, if they were looking to play him in that first test match, um, which probably was a little bit difficult since Moan Ali's you know, retirement, I think they were planning to have Moan Ali uh, on the Australian trip, especially with out of the top seven batsmen, you know, top four are left-handers. So uh, they were probably planning, you know, Monali to play. And unfortunately, he, with his retirement, they probably should have maybe, you know, played Jack Leach earlier in the summer. And just to see what what is Jack Leach like holding up one end, because that's going to, that's the key for a spinner in in Australia, especially after the ball doesn't doesn't do much um, sort of 20, after 30 overs. You know, it's pretty much the spinners bowling from one end and, and, and the fast bowlers rotating from the other. And uh, I just don't think he had enough preparation to actually, uh, you know, to, to, to do that role. So it, it was very difficult for him. And uh, I, I just felt like, you know, he, he wasn't ready for it in the first test match. Mon, talk me through what it's like. You know, probably more than you do know more than anybody else, because I've spoke to you about it. You know, when a management team... When you, you you didn't have the full backing of the management team, I'm talking about your time with like someone like Duncan Fletcher, and then you go into a test series where that's on your mind. Are you anxious? Can you bowl your best ball? Because it just seemed as though you, you, what you mentioned, I think, is 100% spot on. He should have played in the summer if he was going to play. But what will Jack Leach have been feeling during that time in, in Brisbane? Yeah, look, I think Jack Leach probably thinking in his mind, in, in India, I was like the number one spinner. And then suddenly over the summer, I'm not playing much. And now I'm just being thrown in the deep end on a green top. And uh, 
he's obviously you know going to play but i think he, he i think honestly he probably knew that he wasn't ready for it and you can see in, in sometime in his body language and and other times when he's actually you know been hit for a six it's like you, you you get the feeling he wasn't prepared for it and in australia that's what they're going to do you know they're going to come after you as a spinner and uh, you've got to have sort of you know in and out fields where you block their boundary options and then then you start sort of you know setting the field from there and i just felt that uh, jack leach was just you know given the role of right you know what, what you've done in india you can do do it in australia there's a bit of grass on the wicket you may get a bit of turn but you know you're more of an attacking option for us and and I think he just wasn't given the opportunity to to bowl defensively and and get into his spell. Mont, if Jack Leach doesn't play in this Test match, see England go Broad, Anderson, Robinson, Wokes, is that the end for Jack Leach on this tour? Do do England can England go back to Jack Leach? Can England rebuild Jack Leach for Melbourne, Sydney, and and Tasmania if that comes to it? Because that would be a that would mentally that would be a huge. I think a huge ask for a guy who's, you know, bowled 12 overs for over a hundred in the first test match overlooked for the second test match after all the noise, you know, just talk me through what you think could happen there if they don't play Leach in this test. Yeah, look, I, I don't expect, you know, Jack Leach to play in this test match. I think they'll, they'll, they'll use Joe Root as the spinner um, just because so many left-handers, you know, in the top order of the Australian batting lineup. And um, the other reason is um, that, you know, Jack Leach, he, he's got to also show a bit of character and, and that confidence that I am ready, I, I'm going to get myself ready and, and find ways of, you know, with Jason Patel, you know, work with him and, 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 and show that. Because part of the time you know, when you're on an Australian trip, it, it's actually to do with a lot to do with your, with, with your mental toughness and, and, and to do what's inside you as a person. And that's going to be tested, you know, in this Adelaide Test match because Australia have won all the pink Test matches, let's be honest. And if you look at their numbers, Mitchell Stark, you know, he averages, I think, 18 with the ball at 46 wickets. You have Pat Cummings averaging 16. You have, you know, Nathan Lyon averages 19. You've got to start looking at them figures. You're going to think, we're going to lose this Test match. They can't think like this. They've got to think, right, this is our opportunity. And I remember 2010, 2011, when... As a collective group, I was part of the squad. We said we're gonna. It's 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 the squad. It's a group of sixteen against the whole of Australia. That's how they've got to think about this coming into this test match. Monty, just on a personal level, um, do you remember Rishad Pant um, took to Jack Leach as well? That was a premeditated attack, premeditated assault, if you like. It had more to do with what Rishab Pant wanted to do than the way Jack Leach was bowling. And then Travis Head did something similar at the Gabba. As a, as a spinner, particularly in the first innings of a game, um, are you able to just put that out and go, fair enough, fair enough. He rolled the dice to a, a degree. He took me on and, and he had his moment. He had his day. Can you just, can you bracket that and sort of put it on the shelf? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that uh, look as as a cricketer, you have to you know quickly move on and 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 think to yourself logically think. Well, Travis Head got after me because you know there wasn't much rough there compared to Richard Plant, where he you know the, Ben Folks took some you know brilliant stumpings you know during that trip, and even Richard Plant took note and and it's produced similar sort of you know a stumping. So you can see that you know the value of having a great keeper, but also you got to be you know, fair on yourself as well. Don't, don't be so harsh on your, you know, Jack shouldn't be so much harsh on himself because the simple fact is that the pit, the conditions were totally against him. It was very much, you know, seamless conditions and he was giving it the loop and the air. He beat, you know, he did beat him in the air, but unfortunately there was no rough there to help him off the pitch. And and that's how he's got to think about it and not get too harsh on himself. And that that will be tested. You know, the England, England coaches and the management will be looking upon him to see, how he moves on and how he quickly can can he get back to bowling at his best, you know, in the nets. And and, and that's what he's got, got to do. No, uh, Monty talked to me about Nathan Lyon, 400 test match wickets. Only Warner McGrath, from an Australian history point of view, has got more. But he doesn't get the Warner McGrath recognition. Do you think he's underrated? Where do you see him in the uh, the, the reams of, 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 of spinners that have played this wonderful game that we love? Yeah, look, Nathan Lyle has been phenomenal for Australia and especially I've played in Australian conditions and, you know, the, the overspin you've got to get, 
It's all about, you know, so much revolutions. In England, you can get away with it. We can bowl it into the pitch and, we, and we'll get some turn. But he's been, you know, a brilliant for Australia over the last decade. And uh, he should get more recognition, in my opinion. I think he's only, you know, only the, the, the second, I think, spinner where he's taken over 400 wickets. You know, so I think it's only Shane Warne after that. So, so he needs to, I, I believe he should get more of a recognition. But sometimes, you know, with a fast bowling attack that he's been surrounded by, he does a great job as, you know, that controlling from, from one end and, and the bounce and turn that he gets, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's done brilliantly for Australian cricket. And from somebody who played and won in Australia 2010-11, what are you expecting from this Test match, Mont? Well, this is a must-win game for uh, England, to be honest. England need to win this game. They've got to go in there and thinking that, you know, how do we not lose, let's say, three wickets or four wickets in the first 25, 30 overs? They can't afford to be three for 11. Even if they are, they've got to find a way as a team to fight themselves back in this test match. And um, Joe Root's got to find a way of how do we get the best out of Ben Stokes? Do we use him as out and out, just fast bowler? If the, if, the, if, 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 the, if the ball is going to be moving in the air, you know, during the, during the sort of day-night conditions, then he, he must adapt as well. But look, I, I don't expect Chris Wokes to play. I think, um, uh, you know, Oli Robinson, who has the second highest release point after Carl Jameson, is, is going to cause problems. Um, and I think that's a much balanced attack, you know, having Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, and then Ben Stokes. You know, he's just got to find a way of how to get the best out of Ben Stokes on these, um, you know, day-night conditions. But England got to put the record, pass record, Put that away. Don't think, you know, it's been over 100 years that England have only once, when they were 1-0 down, have they come back. Let's not think any of that. It's about that moment when the second Test match starts. This is a must-win game if we want to stay in the Ashes, and we've got to find a way of winning against Australia. Final thought, uh, Monty. How does Don Best feel about speculation that he might play because he can bat a bit? Yeah, look, I, I don't think they should even think about playing Don Best, to be honest. I think it would be a huge mistake. I think Joe Root's got to think that I'm going to do the off-spin bowling. He's a smart cricketer. He'll, he, he thinks like what batsmen think. And he may get the odd one, get a couple of wickets here or there. But um, I think their strength is the fast bowling department. And that's where they've got to focus on. Uh, it, it would be, you know, a complete error on Joe Root's behalf if he picks Don Best for this test match. Monty, where are you going to be watching it? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be watching it at home, and uh, um, it, it's it's a bit. I, I don't have to get up so early, so uh, you know <laughs> we have, we have, that's the benefits of a big test match. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Monty. Enjoy the game, and let, let's hope it goes uh, better than it did at the Gabba. Thank you for your time again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great man, Monty Panasar. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison as we continue to look ahead to Thursday's second test under lights in Adelaide with play starting at 4am in the UK. So some final thoughts uh, before that um, contest begins. And let's go back to the top order because that's where the real problem lies. Uh, you know, um, there was a extraordinary uh, comment from Chris Silverwood um, after the Gabba test in which he said that they planned for all eventualities including things like losing a wicket on the first ball of uh, of the series um, of the test match um, which was interpreted by some as being negative thinking but uh, you know he said we, we'd like to if you think of the worst case scenario and then it transpires at least you can say you're prepared for it it was all a bit peculiar Burns was the man of course Rory Burns was the man who, who did uh, was uh, bold with the first ball of the series. Gosh, before I, before I ask you about the top order again, Harmy, let's hear what Joe Root said about Rory Burns and hopefully a return to form for him. He's a very strong character. One thing you can never doubt about him is, is, is that side of his game. He's someone that will get stuck in. He relishes a big occasion and a challenge and stands up to it. You look at his performances in the, in the last Ashes series, actually, he put in some really fine performances and played some, some brilliant knocks, so... I've got no doubt about, about Rory um, in, in terms of his character. He'll, he'll come back in and um, I'm sure he'll, he'll want a response and he'll want to you know, put some, some big scores on the board. That was Joe Root talking about uh, Rory Burns. Um, I know you're a fan of Zach Crawley. You'd have him opening uh, the batting or maybe move David Milan up. But really, uh, you just... Uh, or oh, Ben Stokes at number three, Harmy. That's also something that you've 
been um, a proponent of. Um, but I mean, I, again, I, I don't want to sound too negative, but it just does look and sound a bit like rearranging the deck chairs on uh, on the on the deck of the Titanic, doesn't it? It does, yeah, and it was on its way down before you started rearranging them chairs. Um, and that's been England's batting unit from, well, from uh, the whole of 2021, really. Um, take Joe Root out of it. Um, again, alarming messages in. Look, I'm picking on things that, because that's our job, you know, pundits, that's what we do. We pick on what's been said and the worrying messages coming out of planning for every eventuality, losing a wicket off the first ball. Trust me, Christopher, I didn't plan for every version, every eventuality when I bowled the first ball to second slip. <laughs> worst case scenario. I didn't. I didn't even contemplate that when I first ran into bowl. So these things happen. You have to be mentally strong and you have to come back from it. And, I, and I'll say it, I'll say it again. That's mentally, that's the best six weeks, eight weeks I've had in my career. Because I never, I never took a deer off that field. I've carried on going. And you can imagine what the amount of stuff I got throughout that 2006-2007 series. So Rory's going to have to get it. No way it was embarrassing. Not for one bit. He missed a straight ball. He missed the leg for Dunbar volley. Swung back a little bit. But um, interesting, Alex Stewart, director of cricket, great man, Stewie, came out and backed Rory this week. And he was right what he said. You know, whenever Rory is questioned mentally, he's as strong as anybody and he comes back, and he has had to come back so many times because of his technique and the way it looks. And when you've got all moving parts and things don't get quite right and you don't get it quite in sync and you nick off when you're off balance, you have to come back strong because you get you get questioned more. You get idiots like me question you even more than what you know you would to a, a, a somebody with a technique that's straight out the MCC coaching manual. So that's something that Rory's had to, to put up with all his life. I don't see that bothering him. I hope it doesn't. And I really do hope it doesn't. And I do hope he comes back stronger for it this week in this test match. But that, that technique in Australian conditions, lots of moving parts. You're not playing against 130 kilometer an hour bowlers. You're playing against 140, 140 plus in that when you're not getting the sink quite right and you haven't had the preparation time you would like all of a sudden, because all of a sudden it gets questioned even more. And, you know, people say, well, you got, you got runs in the build-up. What little build-up they did have, what little build-up they did have, you know, Broad, Anderson, Wokes, Robinson, the 130-mile-an-hour bowlers were bowling at him and he he got 30, 40, 50. It's a bit different when you're facing Cummins, Stark and Hazelwood high release points, hitting the deck hard, bowling 140 plus. It's a different ball game altogether. So Rory's going to have to get into tune very, very quickly. And hopefully he gets over, you know, the, the little mental chat that he has with a bloke on his right shoulder, telling him he's not moving far enough across, telling him he's losing his balance, making sure he's coming into the ball um, because England need him. You know, you can talk about um, Milan going up, me asking Stokes to bat three, or even me thinking Zach Crawley is a better player than than probably Hassim Hamid going at Stark. That's the reason why I wanted him to play, uh, Crawley to play, because if Stark's offline, bang, four, there you go, take that. Triscothic style, Hayden style. That is something that I think England could have capitalised on. But the shirt's there for Rory Burns, and he has to, he has to step up to the plate now because of the question marks that are obviously asked from having naught and 13 in the first test match? Um, the Lions, the um, squad has, has disbanded. Some have uh, flown home. A few others joined their, um, their BBL, their Big Bash franchises. And, and you know, the, there are inherent problems with having too many people on tour. Uh, you know, even, even in, back in the days when when there started to be, you know, more and more backroom staff, it, it can get a bit crowded. So I understand that they, they broke up that squad, but there was also an argument to, which suggested it might not have been a bad idea for, for, for a few of them, maybe half a dozen to stay with the, with the main squad um, and provide, provide backup. A bit like India and their tour of Australia had, you know, they had, uh, they, they had, they were described as net bowlers. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. that was because they were, they were there to bowl in the net. 
bats. They weren't net bowlers. Uh, they ended up, of course, uh, playing in the in the in the team. So yeah, I just wondered whether half a dozen of the Lions squad could have been kept there for and serve a purpose. Yeah, of course. You get an injury, and your your net bowlers, shall we call them, are <laughs> in Lancashire or in Somerset or in Sussex in three and a half degrees in the freezing cold in the darkness. Then you know you've you, you get criticised for shooting yourself in the foot. So. Look, there's. It's about this. This is a 17-man squad that are good. That is as good a squad that we'll we'll have, and they're the ones that have got to step up to the plate. I think it will be very, very difficult for anybody outside that 17 to come in heat of the battle, not having played a great deal of cricket. The only person I thought might have had a chance uh, that that. I would have kept around. I would have tried to keep in Australia. I don't know where he is. I don't even think he was with it. I'm not sure he would be the Lions. Would have been Liam Dawson. If we're not going to play a frontline spinner, we've got two part-timers. Liam can bat at number eight. And that, bear in mind, we're going to Sydney. We might get a Sydney pitch that turns a little bit. Um, he'd be the only one that I, I'd have potentially hung around because, you know, there's a lot of onus on bat. And if we, if we lose again and lose convincingly, we need all options on the table. Bear in mind, we need the fast start to come back in. He would be the only one out of, out of being tempted to try and to try and keep in Australia, to get to Australia or keep in Australia. Bear in mind what happened with Leach and Bess. Um, because I think Joe's just as good an option in Australia with the ball than Bess. You've got to remember, spinners in Australia average 42. No matter what spin, no matter what country you come from, they're averaging 42 in Australia. That tells you how hard it is to both spin in that country. So, Again, come back to damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you send them home or you keep them around, or, or is there a, a negative value to it? For me, it's about picking the right 11 to go on a field and take Australia on, earn the right to score runs and work hard taking wickets. A final, a final comment, if you could, on Ben Stokes, who bowled for over an hour um, in 33, 34 degrees, uh, and was we heard from Barrett Sunderason there was bowling really quick, and I'm sure everyone saw on social media he hit Joe Root on the helmet. But he bowled, it, it was a long spell, a long hard spell, and uh, there was there was talk that uh, he was going to put it in another one uh, the day before Wednesday, the day before the Test match started. So, as usual, he's not shying away from his workload. Quite the opposite, he might be doing too much. Yeah, that's the fine balance for Ben and fine bands for the management team to rein him in to make sure that his body is getting enough volume without making any, yeah, without endangering it. But Ben will get better and better as the series goes on. This kid is the best player, uh, one of the best players we've ever had. Bat, ball, field, uh, aggression, stature, everything that goes with a package of Ben Stokes. England need him. You know, I heard... People say oh, he could have played the Lions game instead of playing that first test match. Wow. It's just like Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes has carried England for quite some time. It's about time England carried Ben Stokes till he gets up to speed and fit from not playing since July. And that, for me, would be the biggest thing I'd be saying to my team. You know, how many times have we relied on this guy? Let's, let's just make sure that when he does get to speed, we're still in this series. Because he will be better at Adelaide, no doubt, no question, no doubt whatsoever. And he'll be even better again at Melbourne and even better again at Sydney and even better again at Hobart because he's a world-class cricketer. But unfortunately, it ran for four or five days before the, the first test in Brisbane, didn't get the volume he needed to get in. And he's now trying to play catch-up to get his body back into the series. Let's hope it's not too late from an England point of view. And finally, that big series uh, in South Africa. Um, news that Rohit Sharma has been ruled out of the Test Series. He was named as uh, Virat Kohli's vice-captain in the Test team. He was then named as the ODI captain. Um, this after Virat Kohli voluntarily stepped aside from the T20 captaincy and was then eased out of the ODI captaincy. He followed that announcement by announcing that he would no longer be available for the ODI leg of the series. So uh, there's some politicking going on in the Indian team, as well as uh, a few injuries. Um, uh, Jadeja um, looks like he, he might be considering giving up test cricket to prolong his ODI and particularly T20 career. Uh, South Africa's wicketkeeper Quinton de Kock might miss a couple of test matches because he's expecting his first child, or his wife is anyway. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all going on there. Virat Kohli is 
It's fair to say, obsessed with becoming the first Indian captain to win a Test Series in South Africa. Obsessed with it. Um, and it, and it's, um, it's just all looking a bit uh, helter-skelter and uh, like it might not be going according to plan for him. No, it doesn't seem to be. And you know, the Virat Kohli one is is interesting. It probably is. He probably does need a little bit of a a little bit of a break. Whether it's he should be the one day captain or he shouldn't be the one day captain, this is a fine side. There's no question of not getting in it. So he's always going to be playing in it. Uh, maybe it is the best thing for Virat Kohli, but also could be the best thing for Virat Kohli to take some time off playing white ball cricket for a little bit. Um, just to re, you know, re-energize himself, he get his batteries going. The one thing that can't happen, and it's this is so important, he can't relinquish the Test job because I worry for Test cricket if there's no Virat Kohli in charge of that Indian cricket team for Test matches because I think the way he drives Test cricket is so important for the global game. Uh, he's he's the best player in the modern generation in my opinion, and I think he's he's so important to test match cricket by being India's <laughs> captain. So I think that's important. It stays. Whether he has a couple of games off, look, who knows? It's going to be a good series. I think it'll be a fantastic series between a very good pace attack, even though Rohit Sharma's not playing, uh, a very, very good batting unit on decent surfaces in South Africa. So, look, I think it could be, it could be interesting. The one thing I will say about Virat Kohli is that with him not staying for the one-day leg. He likes runs, and he might just get a few in the test matches because right. he's not going to be there to cash in during a one-day series. So I'll tell you it'll, what. Be, it'll be brilliant viewing. Never mind what's good for Indian cricket. The rest of the world needs him to be Indian test captain. That's what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Thank you, Harmi. Um, we'll uh, be back, obviously, again next week. A reminder that the second Ashes test in Adelaide gets underway at 4am. So set your alarms. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Harmi will be back alongside John Norman after every day's play on the following on podcast. So look out for that on the same feed. You got this podcast. But until then, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.